finishes off, I believe he said, Crushing Librarian Technicians Dreams. Oh, favorite. Yes, by automating their jobs, so he's busy. Oh, automating their jobs, okay. Welcome to How College Works. Today we have a guest. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mark Scapin. I'm a head softball coach and sports information director. Okay. So, I'm curious because I'm not an athlete. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, I mean, like, really I wanted you on because, like, what changes? You know, like... Certainly from an academic standpoint, and students coming into my class, you know, Drew and I, when we first talked about this, were like, you know, there's some real major differences in how students at the high school and college level are taught, and how I, as an instructor at the college level, and he, as an instructor at the high school level, sort of approach students and what we expected from them, and what they could reasonably request or even demand of us. Um, listeners, you know all of that. <laughs> but I have no idea what the difference between, if there is any difference, between what is expected of a, of a high school athlete and a college athlete? So, do you know? Do I know? Um, <laughs> I, think I, I think I might uh, be, on, be on the right track for you. Um, high school athletes in general, I think it's, the outlook is a little bit different. It's more about participation. It's more about uh, kind of fitting in. It's a social thing. They are able to grow as a part of a high school community and the athletic part of it is kind of more of a tool for their success overall in, in growing into adulthood. Where at the college level, it's, it's a lot more of a job. I mean, you're getting, in many cases, paid scholarship money to be here. Uh, your performance is, is watched on a daily basis. And it's just a, a, lot of more, a lot more pressure and a lot more of it is driven to, hey, I'm going to move across the country in order to pursue this dream instead of just kind of being in your community and just playing for fun or playing to be a part of something, now you're trying to test yourself against the best competition that you can find in the country and uh, get a good education in the, in the process. All right. So it's like, I mean, I'm hearing that, I'm like, so it's kind of like a, I mean, I ran track and cross, so like I did some stuff in high school that was, as we discussed recently, like 21 years ago, so. Not, not, not in the same shape. <coughs> not in the same shape that I was back in the day, uh, but, but like, like, it sort of resonates with me. It's like, I wasn't running track or cross to be at state. You know, uh, I didn't go to state. The team did, so I got, a, I have a T-shirt <laughs> because other people went and ran at state. You know, but it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it, kind of for that camaraderie. It's, you know, trying to keep you doing healthy, interesting, good things, you know, socially, not just physically. Um, but it's just like, so when, you, when they come in here, so do you have most of your students that are on like an athletics scholarship? Most of your, I should say your athletes, because you are just our coach, which is different than my experience yeah. in high school where like the health teacher was the football coach, yeah. you know, and the, the basketball, teacher. Yeah, the the basketball teacher was English, I mean, was an English coach, and he had a really bad English reputation. Uh, English, the basketball coach taught English, and he was like, I think it was English, something. It was like, you got to be, because I couldn't hear you over the basketball game I was watching on the TV on my desk. Uh, well, and I think, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't <laughs> know if that's true. High school but, coaches have, like, this certain, I don't know, I mean, from a non-athlete perspective, like, yeah, that class is easy because they're a coach or whatever, but, like, this is your full-time job. Sure. You are coaching all day, every day, or doing coachy related stuff. Sure, sure. Coachy ish, coach ish things. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, I played uh, tennis in high school actually, 
And when I showed up to class, my uh, German professor would actually have my, uh, my bag with my racket in it and a bucket of balls and say, hey, why don't you go out to the courts and hit? And this was supposed to be during German class. So mm-hmm. I can understand where you're, where you're coming from. With some of that. <laughs> so did you learn German? I learned a little. I learned enough to go over there for, for a great month vacation in the summer with the, with the high school. So it was, a, it was a cool experience. But I, I will be honest, I took the class because I, I knew he was my tennis coach and I was going to get probably a better grade. So yeah. I understand where you're coming from. So, that, so that's sort of our, I mean, not that everything's like this, you know, so don't at me. But like that does seem like a lot of preferential treatment. Like you're an athlete, you know, here is you know, here's some stuff, we're going to cut you some slack, go ahead, and you do the athletic thing. That's really not the case, at least in our school. Like, you hear these big time <coughs> college, they're like, oh, well, the football players don't have to go to class. Well, I went to a big school, they were in class. But it's yeah. different. Like, it's not the same sort of yeah. I mean, favoritism, right? You might run up against some major power five schools that take underwater, underwater basket weaving or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, as a yeah. football as a football player, but certainly not here. No, they, if anything, I would say being an athlete might be slightly a disadvantage rather than an advantage. Uh, a lot of times we're on the road for uh, two or three days in a row. They might miss class for multiple days in a week, and all of our assignments have to be done ahead of time before that road trip. Uh, a lot of our classes are scheduled during practice times. So in that case, they have um, mandatory individual sessions earlier in the day or later in the day, um, or they're just missing practice and having to do it on their own for a couple hours a day. So it's it's a lot more challenging, I think, to, to kind of balance it. So like a job, they have to put in a certain number of hours, even if they miss practice or whatever? For sure, yes. I mean, if, in order to be successful at this level, they, they, are, they are meant to earn that scholarship money that they're receiving. And we, every one of our athletes does receive some type of athletic scholarship money. Those, yeah. those amounts vary. Um, but that's, they have to look at this as almost a start to their career. And they need to take, take some type of initiative and take pride in what they're doing here. And, uh, and treat it like a job from the, from the second they step foot on campus. So would you say that m- most of your athletes are looking to pursue, because you're our softball coach, are looking to pursue softball as a, like a legit, they're gonna play softball as their career or coach softball or something like that? Or is it something that they're doing kind of for now? To and, pay the bills. Yeah. Well, <coughs> you know, yeah, if you have yeah. a talent and you can get a scholarship, I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I would say it's very rare that we come across someone that is looking to coach or, or play at a professional level. It's not something that's done as much in female sports anyways. Um, and coming from a, a smaller non-Power 5 school, it's, it's much more difficult to get drafted into a, a professional softball league. So for the most part, these athletes are, are going to school to get an education. They're using softball as a vehicle to pay, help pay for that education. And they're pursuing something they've loved since their childhood. Mm-hmm. And they want to test themselves up against the highest competition, see where they kind of land with that, see how good they could be, whether they can be an All-American or, or they end up you know, as, a, as a bench contributor in some fashion. But I would say the, the vast majority of it is about trying to help their parents pay for college and, and get a good education in the process. So that's probably in, unless you are a prodigy and are actually actively getting scouted by like a Big Ten school or, or you say Big Five, then athletics at college generally should be thinking about taking your hobby and monetizing it for your college, right. for your college tuition. Like that's sort of where you should be thinking about it. And if you're all like, if you're not going in with a scholarship, 
maybe IM Sports would be a better option. Sure, sure. That would that'd be a great option for a lot of people. Um, it's just a, more a matter of, of preference because every level has you know different scholarship level athletes. So there's always a level for, I would say, a, a vast majority of the athletes out there. Um, there are some that, that can't really find a place, and intramural sports would be the, the best place. Um, but if you do find it, fall absolutely fall in love with a, an institution, and that's where you know you want to get your degree, in many cases, an, an intramural sport might be a better option if you're not able to um, make that softball team at that institution. Mm -hmm. Because it is ultimately about what type of job you're going to get when you graduate and how well you can support yourself and uh, what you're going to do with that education later on in life. Mm -hmm. I want to uh, cycle back to something you mentioned in, in terms of like what is expected of, of the students, uh, your athletes. So. Could you kind of compare and contrast, like, what is, because I think you, you have coached high school softball. Correct. So are there any differences between what is expected in terms of showing up to practice, number of hours of practice, or, or even academics at the high school level, at least for you as a high school softball coach, versus you as a college softball coach? Like, so sure. how many hours a week are they expected to be in practice? You know, what are the academic requirements, like GPA or something like that? Are there any in high school? You know? Yeah, eligibility, that's a thing. I mean, I assume so. It is. As I said, I'm 20 years, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, there, there are requirements at both levels. I think it's just set up completely differently. So at the high school level, there were no progress reports. There were no mandatory study hall sessions. Um, all of our practices or our games were taking place outside of high school hours, so they never had to miss class in order to attend anything. Um, in college, obviously, we, we were on the road for multiple days at a time. They're missing a lot of classes in that regard. Uh, a lot of afternoon classes are disrupting their practice times, so they're, they're missing practice and they have to make up those hours. I would say the total number of hours from when I coached and the program I ran were similar. It's just how we get those hours that, are, that is different. So I might practice six to seven hours a day, but the students will only practice roughly two, two and a half. It's just a matter of I have to stagger it throughout the entire day in order to, to see every one of our athletes, uh, which can be very challenging on our end, which is probably why I'm not a, an English teacher that gets a bad reputation. I'm actually uh, full time because we have to, have to do this and balance recruiting at the same time. So, um, and then as far as, um, there are every school and every state has different rules so there's different gpa requirements but the the biggest thing is is if they are eligible they just play whereas at this institution if i notice they're struggling with d's and f's for the most part they're going to start sitting out of practices and games until they can get those grades to a place where i believe they're going to help them with the rest of their future and we do send out progress reports to monitor that we have somewhere between six and eight study hall hours mandatory that have to be logged a week and they have to either sign in through um, text or on our, our outside of my office door. And we have mandatory su Sunday study halls for an extra two hours every week as well. So they're being more monitored by us to make sure they have time to get the stuff done. Whereas in high school, it's more parental involvement that is kind of pushing their academic success. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've certainly seen that for my athletes, in my, in, in my students who are athletes, they often are more organized yeah I think they should teach workshops in time management 
That would be fantastic. Because of the way that they have to manage their time, like they have to really, they think about the whole week and sometimes more than that. Because like, okay, I'm gonna be out on Friday, but I know this is happening on Wednesday and this is happening on Friday. And so they're looking ahead. They're always looking ahead. And I'm like, I don't even know what we're doing on Friday. You know, like, I wrote it down one point, I don't know now. Right, I have to check the schedule. Yeah, like, exactly. And so oftentimes, and they, you know, they know when they're going to be out of town, even though they gave me the sheet. I never look at it. And they send me reminders. I mean, they just are always, like, they have to, and then if you're having study hall hours, if you have those hours of practice and you have to do all these other things, that free time they have has to be used very wisely um, because they know that they have, this is what I have to get done. I'm not going to have this time later in the week because I'm traveling or because of these other things. So... I don't know. I'm always amazed at how they're able to get everything done. So I really do think they should teach time management workshops. It would be fantastic if yeah. they did, especially in high school, so they can get prepared for, for this level. So like we have a tricky week this week. We we have a doubleheader on Saturday, and so obviously they're worried about getting things done this week so that they don't have anything that they have to hang over their head on Saturday. And then I had to remind them. I'm like, but we're on the road Monday and Tuesday. So you're worried about getting things done this yeah, week. One of your athletes yeah. just told me that in one of my classes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's it's difficult to start planning that far ahead. Like, listen, Friday doesn't end it for you because you have to get everything done Monday and Tuesday by Friday. Yeah. So they're, they have to be very structured. And, you know, we're lucky enough to try to kind of go over some of that stuff through classroom sessions and how they can, you know, go through it. We buy planners for everybody on the team so that they can utilize them. Uh, and we kind of make them show them to us to make sure that they're they're going through those steps, you know. But it's it's a big adjustment going from senior year in high school where you have a ton of parental involvement, everything's set throughout a school day for the most part, and then you you come to college and all of a sudden you're on the road for half of the week and everything has to be done five days earlier than usual. It's 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 a big jump. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you guys are helping with the transition because we've talked about that a lot too in terms of going from this very different schedule to being, oh, now you're in charge of your own day and your own free time. And yeah, planners, they're a thing. <laughs> Looking ahead at schedules, that's a thing, but I, <coughs> they're not always good at it. So I'm glad to see that you understand. Well, yes, yeah, I was going to say, Scott, it sounds like that. Part of the reason they're so organized is because you require them. Yeah. So so that, you know, you're forcing them to implement and develop those skills of being organized, which my other students, maybe not so much. And so they're not paying attention to what's going on, you know. Wait, we're having a test on Friday? No, the test was today. Oh. Yeah, (laughs) I, I can imagine that you get a lot of that. Uh, just in even in the recruiting process or um, through having them visit campus, we see a lot of people who have no clue how to manage their time. Everything, I think, is done for them uh, for so long now that it's, it's a big challenge and a big shock for them to kind of jump on board with it. Um, we use technology to help out as well. A lot of our stuff is done through Google Calendar mm-hmm. or Google Docs, so everything is shared constantly so that everything is in real time. We don't have to... Um, you know, make them make adjustments so that I think kind of helps the, ease the transition. So someone is still kind of helping it along, but then, you know, they obviously have to manage all their class stuff on their own. So at least the athletic stuff is, is all right there in front of them at all times. Well, it's working. Some things fall through the cracks, but very rarely with athletes. So That's good. That's good to hear. Well, yeah. I like that feedback because well, if they're not so successful in the classroom, then what's the point of them being here? It's not going to work out. So if they're like, oh, this planner doesn't do anything, lies. The planner is fabulous. Keep doing it. <laughs> I like that. I'm finally yeah. disappointed because I now can't go to you and be all like, "This your athlete is is underperforming," and have you run make them run laps. 
Oh, you want me to punish him a little bit? <laughs> oh, that's rude. You can just look out your window there and I, watch yeah, him Yeah, I can. It. Like, gives my office over looks at softball field. So if we hear some eagle, evil laugh coming from the window over here, we, we know who it is. I'll give myself a, a megaphone and be all like, no more laughs. <laughs> hey, if you want to come help in condition, you can come out anytime you want. Uh, it's too hot for that right now. <laughs> I mean, you are layered. You're done. Okay. Whatever. So, in terms of um, your interactions with students, which are basically, I assume, going to be almost exclusively with your athletes. You know, as a coach, it's not like random students are generally going to be coming up to you and be all like, "Hey, Coach Kingpin." <laughs> Doesn't happen a ton. Every once in a while, we'll get a, a basketball player or a volleyball player that might need something. But for the most part, it is mm-hmm. it's our softball program and. It's usually pretty large, so that's that's plenty for me to handle. Right. So especially when you have new <coughs> students coming in, who are just just you know in that first semester from high school or that first year that they're here, is there any sort of is there any sort of missteps that they make, sort of expectations they have on what you're going to do for them or what they can sort of ask or demand of you, or they're just expectations in general about how this whole softball thing or athletics in general is going to work? Where you're like, okay, let's slow down here because A, B, and C that you are expecting that's wrong. <laughs> like, do you have any advice for the students coming in to sort of smooth that, that communication through? Well, um, the biggest thing I think is that they kind of expect everything to be verbally told to them. Okay, so they don't like to check their emails. Uh, they, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure you deal with it more, even more than I do. Um, they, they kind of expect a lot of help. Like they don't really problem solve on their own. Um, I don't want to give too specific of an example, but literally the other day on the field, we were having a, a problem. We probably could have used you because it would have involved physics, I'm sure. Everything does. Uh, with pulling, the, yeah, everything in the whole world, you're right, you're right. With pulling the tarp and uh, actually while trying to pull it, we were being unsuccessful because of the weight of the water on the tarp. Mm-hmm. And literally someone grabbed a cell phone out and made a phone call to their dad at home and asked them what to do. And I'm like, that's not what we do. Yeah. We're, we're actually here in person trying to solve this. We don't need someone else to tell us. Let's, let's kind of problem solve together. Let's spitball some ideas and come up with something that's going to work. And ultimately, of course, we got there. But, I mean, I had to, my head snapped around real fast when I heard that phone go off. Yeah. Like, this is not happening. Um, so it's, it's, a lot of things are spoon-fed. So getting them to to kind of grow up really quickly and and kind of trust that they can actually have the answers within themselves, I think would be um, some good advice. Softball-wise, excuse me, <coughs> softball-wise, I don't see too much of a mis- misconception of what's going to happen. I think maybe the biggest one will be in the weight room, that they kind of are used to high school programs that don't do as in-depth of, of work that we do. I mean, we're doing uh, like three days of lifting a week plus a fourth day of conditioning. So they kind of come in here thinking it's going to be a little bit easier and maybe they take the summer off from their, their conditioning that they shouldn't be and then they take the fitness test and they're, they're hurting a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I think we do a good job of communicating what this program looks like ahead of time. You know, and it's, we very rarely get someone who shows up to campus that is only talking to us for maybe even the 20th time. Um, we're texting weekly um, with these students they're getting updates on how we're doing. I'm constantly updating them on, you know, even videos of, of drills that we're doing so they can start kind of doing some of this stuff on their own. So we really try to manage expectations, you know, from an athletic side of things 
uh, from the very beginning. And this process may go on for a year and a half to, with some athletes. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty comfortable coming in here with, with what's expected of them, I think. Huh, that's a pretty big difference because we don't really play a role. I have no contact with students in generally until they're really. sure. Yeah. Like class right, and then day. until they're enrolled, so we can't do any of that stuff, but that makes sense. So see when it looks good. I, I just have a I have a heads up. I have a year and a half of a head start on you guys. Yeah. So yeah, sure. you know that's maybe why they kind of assimilate a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the other things that would be a big challenge would be um, kind of educating themselves a little bit about what it's going to be like to be away from home, mm -hmm. and realizing how much their parents did for them and uh, what it's like to kind of you know be on an island a little bit, having to do your own laundry and you know maybe cook for yourself you know once or twice a week and managing those meals and. Um, just kind of not having someone to talk to every single day that knows everything about you and making friends and branching out. Like there's a, there's a big adjustment that I don't think people are, are overly prepared for either. Mm. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. We don't know how to fix that though. That's what Chef Boyardee was for me. Chef Boyardee. Um. <laughs> Pop that mini ravioli can. Ew, ew. <laughs> I've always got my best friend right here, right Chef Boyardee. My friend you and my food all in one. You warmed it up though, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You didn't eat it. Usually. Usually. <laughs> Every once in a while, right? Have you had that recently, though? Not recently. Not recommended. <laughs> Because, yeah, there's an 11-year-old in my house, and you know, every now and then I'm like, ugh, let's just do something easy. And I'm like, you want to try some of this? She's like, yeah. And I tried one, and I was like, oh, my God. Of course, it was delicious to this person, but not to me. Does not does not stand up to okay. the time. Tastes have changed, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, and maybe it's more cheaply made now, too. I don't know. Your taste, bud, your, your, your taste preferences also change. Yeah, I think it could be a combination of both of those. The quality's dipped. You've Sorry, chef. You, you old. You've aged. Yeah. You old. You, you old. <laughs> so it sounds like, uh, in, in in general, so there's this sort of increased sort of physical requirement mm -hmm. of them and, and their engagement, and that you, you you guys are doing everything you can to make sure that that expectation is being communicated. But if you, you know that's not the case for for what any of our listeners who are going on to college, like just you know be aware that you're going to hit the ground as soon as you arrive and they'll generally arrive before, before classes start like a few weeks i think and then it'll be all like hey i assume that you spent the summer getting in shape and you're ready to go and then maybe a very rough couple weeks if you haven't done that yeah it happens um we we preach that, that the fitness test is going to be hard every year and every year we have some that that show up very very unprepared yeah. Yeah, we had one person show up and score, I think she scored a 32 out of 100. And uh, that led to 7 a.m. workouts three times a week to try to get back up to speed, so. I, I do not want to take this test. <laughs> That's why it's good to have an assistant coach that wakes up and does the 7 a.m.s while I, uh, yeah. I get my Z's, so. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to delegate, right? That's right, that's right. I need, I need to get another person in my department so I can delegate. That's I'm in support of that. Whatever you need. Oh. You want to borrow her for a little bit? <laughs> I need to find what Terry can, yeah. Think about what I can use her for. Photocopies, <laughs> grading. Great, yeah. How is she grading? I'm sure she would be great. She's pretty much good at everything, so okay. she'll find a way. It's true. But yeah, we have power. Anyway, <laughs> anything else in terms of things that you've seen students stumble on as they've come from from high school to, co uh, to college in terms of athletics? 
Uh, I think a lot of them maybe thought that they loved the game a lot more than they did. Mm -hmm. So that hobby, like you said, maybe they find when they finally get here that it really was a hobby. Um, and that obviously is a shock because, excuse me, <coughs> we're going six days a week, uh, you know, for numerous hours a day, and we're, our job is to, to press them to the limits of what they can, they can accomplish. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is, feels a lot more like a job. Maybe I should maybe move on. And uh, occasionally we'll, we'll have a couple athletes transition into becoming a regular student at that point and, uh, you know, continue to still get a good education. Um, but I think it, it's kind of a gut check a little bit. You know, look, look over your life and, and see if you really do love it as much as you think you do because to perform at this level when there's so many other things going on in your lives outside of softball, there's so many other opportunities to socialize and, and live a college life that if you don't love it, it, it tends to kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah. I was just thinking you're talking about like they have to do uh, two, three hours of practice a day you know, and then they have study hall for like six hours or something like that. So I was thinking like that's something like three hours a day, which is dedicated to you in some way, whether it's you on the field or in the batting cage or in a study hall, you know, that's three hours a day, which is gone. So let's say you were done with classes at three. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You're now you're out on the field yeah. and then you're in study hall, so you're not done until six. You know, that's three hours of your, of your day every day. So imagine being, you know, being like, all right, I'm done with high school. Be like, great, come on, let's go. And you're not done with all your stuff until dinner. And then... Every day. Yeah, well, every then you have to go to study hall and do your homework that you didn't do during the three hours because you're at practice, right? And so they have really long days. Sometimes they just get up at 7 and or before that, do it at 7 a.m. And they have class at 9, 10, and then they have lunch. And then they just don't have time to even do much until, like, 8 or 9 o'clock sometimes. I mean, they're doing things in study hall or whatever, but they're like, where's my free time? So you do have to be dedicated. I, mean, I will say that my students who are athletes are not generally the ones who are talking about how they binged you know, Game of Thrones or yeah. whatever. They're not the ones yeah. who are like, yeah, I was up until 4 a.m. No, no. Yeah, that's, that's not them. That is, is never them. They're like, no, I had to get up and go do exercise. Like, Staying up until 4 a.m. means two hours of sleep because they got to get up at 6, do the 7 a.m. And, you know, especially like the cross-country and track team, like they're up early to do running. So. Yeah, they're they're a different breed altogether. I guess you know all about that, though, since you, you ran, but... I was... I wasn't really varsity material. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm an advisee who's who who runs, and so I hear from her. Like I come in pretty early. Like uh, on on a, couple, a few days a week, I'm in around seven, and she put stuff up on my window before I came in. So which means she was uh -huh. had to be here like around six or something like that. Yeah, they run before it gets hot, I guess, and I guess we play for. <clears throat> on average, we're warming up and playing for roughly six hours per date. So we kind of like to practice and test them during the middle of the, of the heat of the day so that they can kind of get used to the strain that's going to put on their body a little bit. Um, but uh, it's it's a challenge for all those sports. I mean, whether you're going to you know wake up at, at 6 and, and get study hall hours in the morning or whether you're going to do it between 10 and 11 or 10 and 12 at night, I mean, every day is, is pretty regimented and structured. A lot of those times, like you were listing off their day, we lift um, lift weights at 11 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays too because that's an open block period. 
and then they come to two hours of practice and then they eat and then they go probably study hall for two, three hours. And then the, the six to eight hours is, is just the minimum that we set plus the two hours Sunday. A lot of times they're going double that on their own and they're logging those hours. We actually have a little mini competition for who logs the most hours as well. So, What know, do they get? For uh, it's, it's a part of, we have like a house cup type of thing where the, the team is split into three teams. Okay. Uh, and they compete for the entire year. It might be a, a scavenger hunt where we're on the road of finding things when they're in the bus. Um, it might be, you know, different performances on the field or other, you know, a Jeopardy game or study hall hours for a week or something. And the, the team that gathers the most at the end of the year will get some uh, additional uh gear for the college at that point. It's kind of like Harry Potter. I was gonna it say. is kind of like Harry Potter, yeah. There's no sorting hat, so. Yeah. Or you're, maybe you're the sorting I hat. guess I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the houses would compete and then you get points. Do they get points deducted when they do bad things? We haven't, we haven't set any deductions up, but uh, it's, it's usually just adding on. And, yeah. and coincidentally, one of the houses actually named themselves Gryffindor and stormed from last to first recently, so they might be about <laughs> to win it. So it's, it's poetic right there. Yeah. Nice. That's nice. No. You got any questions? About uh, I don't know that I do. I mean, I have questions about me. <laughs> like about. Can you join their study hall? Y well, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it sounds like it's later early. Uh, do you have any advice for professors working with athletes and how we can help um, them be successful in the classroom? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> you can delete, you can edit that part out, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think honestly the, the biggest thing to start off with is to try to utilize the calendar better in terms of when classes are offered. Mm. Um, I mean, I know that might not be a fair, uh, fair point to make. And, like um, the overall <clears throat> scheduling of classes? Yes, yeah, yes. We don't have a whole lot of control over Yeah, we like actually, that. I mean, you know, just for your perspective, we are given guidelines yeah. for within the division or within a department to say, you know, you should offer, just spread the courses out in terms of Monday, Wednesday, Friday at this time, this time, this time, Tuesday, Thursday, this time, this yeah. time, so that the classes don't stack up and there should be So there's not a lot of classes. competition between yeah. a lot of classes. And then there are, we get, like, we're kind of dis, I don't know what the word is right now, but... We're not encouraged necessarily to do evening type classes and those kinds of things um, here. There's just some limitations on our end too. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at it. Um, to me, it seems like when we're trying to go through the scheduling process, like everything conflicts, conflicts yeah. and everything's yeah. available at the exact same times every single day. And I have, believe it or not, I have two students on my entire roster that have eight o'clock classes right now, and they're all willing to take them. They just, there's nothing offered that they, that fits what they need in their schedule wise. But then if you look at their 11 o'clock class, it's every, every single class they need is at 11 o'clock, but they can only take one at a time. So they, they feel like they're, you know, kind of that, that to me, that's the biggest thing that gets them frustrated yeah, over anything else that. is that yeah. they're willing to, to be super structured, go early in the morning, get everything done and not have to take four o'clock classes. I mean, I have students missing practice times for, you know, classes like yoga or um, yeah. ceramics. Yeah. And, you know, it may not even be what they want, but they, they need to get their credit hours and, and they have to fulfill certain requirements. And they there's just a lot of... So you're saying if I switch my <clears throat> classes instead of a 9 and 11 to an 8 and a 10, I will get a bunch of softball players? Yes. 
I, w- I will promise you, as long as your I lab, mean, as long as your lab doesn't conflict with a class that's needed, like Spanish, that well, everybody yeah, has to take. Right. Like it's yeah, they're absolutely they are they are more than willing. They they want to to take the classes they want to take, and everybody wants to take your classes, you know. <laughs> so they if you change it, they'll move it. They'll they'll move in. Um, it's Although just most of my class, I mean, my one hundred ones are really there are nine and eleven, so it's is basically. I, yeah, this is well. We don't have to worry about this, but yeah, my this afternoon class is, is the calculus-based physics. Hmm. Well, just harder. like from yeah. a writing perspective, we have I think eight sections of writing 102 this semester, mm-hmm. and one of them is at eight o'clock. She has six students. I'm teaching at 10, 11, and 3, and I have 42 students across three sections. So my classes are very full, mm-hmm. but that 8 o'clock class only mm-hmm. has six. So when we go to make a scheduling decision, we're like, mm, six people versus 15 for all three of my slots. I'm going to go with the one that's going to fill the class. Sure, sure. <laughs> and I have plenty of softball players, and I don't know if she has any in the 8 o'clock class. Interesting. So... I mean, for conversations for this afternoon of practice. Well, I'm just, yeah. it's one of those things where maybe we should open up lines of communication a little more. Um, just about like, hey, if you offer that 8 o'clock class, I'll make sure that it'll make, right? Like, you can guarantee me at least five students. Oh, I can do that. Um, which is, because that's a risk for us, too. If we offer a class at 8 a.m. and we get <coughs> students, we could potentially have that class canceled. Sure. I've had a ton of conversations with other professors who are, are saying similar yeah. things. Um, I think there are some conversations that I've had that they believe that some things could probably be yeah. structured a little a little bit differently. Um, but, I mean, and the school's not all athletes either. And that, no, yeah, and that yeah. makes perfect sense, but, too. I mean, but for something that has multiple sections, like, why, why couldn't we have a class that would be very convenient for athletes, right? right? I, I mean, mean, we have, like I said, eight sections. Why couldn't hmm. one of those be? Well, I mean, if the if the athletes, you know, softball wants to take those early classes. If it's the say track team, they're already up. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. It makes sense for them too. Just yeah. have like we could end up. If we had a conversation, you know, we could end up yeah. that sort of thing. So it may well, be worthwhile. I'm here while. every day at seven forty-five and eight o'clock Monday, Wednesday, Friday class is fine. But traditionally, that class has not filled. Well, I've got twenty-five students next year for the softball team, so. I won't, I won't be here. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's, then you gotta you gotta get whoever's replacing you to okay. to hop on board. Then, yeah. um, other than that, I would say being understanding with their schedules. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, so so my my sport is an outdoor sport, and I, it's been uh, you know somewhat of an educating process to a lot of other people on campus, because basketball and volleyball get to keep their game slots all season long yeah. because they're yeah. indoors. Yeah. And our season is constantly fluctuating with rainouts and you know just a lot of changes. So, you know, being understanding with that process, understanding that we're representing the school, we are a recruiting, you know, machine in that regard, not just the students I bring in, but we represent the school. When we go down to Texas and play, we're advertising the school. Or when we go to Myrtle Beach next year, we're advertising the school. Uh, we finished in the top 20 in the nation last year, which only helps advertise the school. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, we, we just need to work together the best we possibly can. and. Um, my personal perspective as the coach is that it's academics first 100% of the time unless we have to schedule games during the week, in which case they have to get their work done prior to class, mm-hmm. prior to that class date. And then anytime there's a, a, a conflict between practice and a class, they're always 100% of the time in class. So if we can just get a little, a little bit of help of understanding why they're out there and trying to represent and 
and understand that they really are trying to work as hard as they can. And I'm trying to get people to schedule me on the weekends, but it can be a challenge sometimes because, you know, we're not in a conference and we're kind of a small school. So just getting people to play us at all is sometimes a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing to take away maybe from a student's perspective is that, you know, while you know we'll, we're here talking, and I've certainly had plenty of conversations with you, it's not like we've talked scheduling. You know, so there's, they, they're going to end up in the middle of something where there's something that you want, there's something that I want. They may even line up, but, like, we don't sit down and discuss scheduling of classes. It's just, it, it would be a weird thing for, in, without sort of that, that setup, be like, hey, I have students, I have, I have athletes who would love to have early morning classes. I don't know that unless I hear that oh, sure. from yeah. you. And so they may be in a situation where like they're trying to get everything scheduled and their you know, academic advisor is maybe frustrated and you as a coach are frustrated. Yeah. You know? And so that might be, it, it really shouldn't fall to them, but it's like getting people from like, I mean, it is getting people from different physical areas of the campus and different uh, jobs to talk together about stuff. So they may just be stuck in the middle a bit, sure. You know, and that sort of a thing. Just to create that synergy that we need here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so if, I mean, the thing is, is that a scheduling my scheduling where I pick <coughs> when my classes are going to go. Like, I if I'm if I'm hearing from students, like I would love to have taken this class at eight a.m. Then I will definitely think about putting it at eight a.m. And if I have like a number of students who are like, yeah, this would have been better at eight a.m. And I can generalize that to a whole population. Then I will think about adjusting that schedule. It is sure. tricky. So, yeah. like, um, I have some classes that are requirements for like education, but some other classes that are requirements for business. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it's not. I need to not overlap for my English majors and writing minors with any of the other classes that could potentially fulfill their things. Now I can't overlap uh, organizational leadership and business. I can't overlap with any of their major classes, and I can't overlap with any of the English ed classes. And I'm like, okay, so like they're like, here are the two slots in the day you can teach this class. Interesting. So it, so whenever we're we're trying to like, I don't know, like yours is a little different. You don't, I mean, I have a four person department, so we don't overlap. We'll overlap like one ones or one oh twos because those are different. But any potential thing, we don't do that. So it is really on not my favorite. So like it's like this game kind of situation. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking like. Sometimes if I know the class is required and I know that students have to take it, I'm more likely to pick a time that's maybe not as convenient, like, you know, 10 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, those classes are offered at 10. That's like the prime time. But I'm like, but I know you need this class, so I'm going to offer it at 4, you know, because I know you're going to have to take it if you don't, you know what I mean? Just to pull those ones out of, like, that... That 10, so 11 that, is like, yeah, is so a sweet spot. That's where students want to take classes. Sure. So when yeah. we look at, and this probably isn't a thing you want to keep, but when we look at the, we get it by division. Mm -hmm. Do you guys get the whole list of all the classes by division? Yeah. There have been times when there have been like, like, I think it was like 15 classes in one class slot for one division. Right, and so wow. we're like, we have to spread that out. And so we're looking at, well, how can we make sure that students can get their humanities requirement fulfilled for these classes or whatever. So like, okay, well, we'll move this, but every time we move something here, it affects something in your division or in social science. And we don't communicate across divisions. We do department and then division, and then the divisions don't look at the whole schedule until after it's already put together by the registrar. 
So that's probably where we need to come in to be like, hey. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, no, I don't really care when I teach this. I was just trying to be flexible. Right, right. Yeah, and so, it, yeah, it can be a big... The so students can get caught in the middle of that. It's just like, there are yeah. things which are great for you. There are things which are convenient for me. There are things that I do that, that will cause friction within my division. Like when my class is offered as... Uh, spills over into lab times for other classes yeah. for like biology and chemistry. Well, and maybe someone else is always taught at 10 o'clock, so you are going to teach at 9 and 11 because they teach and they have seniority and they fill out their schedules first. And so I'm like, I literally can't teach this because it will conflict with them and take away students from them. Yeah, yeah it's tricksy. Well, and just to be clear, I'm not looking for it to. I mean, I would love for it to fit better with softball. Yeah, no. Right. But I'm not no, looking... No, but these are considerations. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not about fitting, like, even with practice time. It's it's just me. Like, I literally do try to help them fit their schedules together. Yeah. Like, I go, they go through it with me, with the computer, with the, all the schedule stuff. Mm -hmm. And I look at it, and I'm like, I can't get you enough classes which are actually interesting to you because they're all offered at the same time. It has right. nothing to do with softball at that time. Right, right. right. It's right. just right. trying to keep the student well, happy. We feel the same. Yeah, yeah, excited about what they're doing here. I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that. I'm like, so okay, you well, you need a fine arts credit. <laughs> Pick Sixteen credits, we need to fill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. We feel the same do. thing, but in in foreign language because it's four credits, science because of the lab, ceramics, and other art classes that are longer. Whew. I'm like, you can only take one of those at a time. We are not. We cannot. It's not possible. So I'm like, decide, language or science, you know, or decide, you know, whatever. But it's definitely, I feel you. Know, the first year I was here, they did a uh, in the evening biology. Mm -hmm. And that worked out, like, amazing for us. You yeah. know, I mean, they, they got a four-credit class and everything in the evening. And, uh, I mean, it was it was full, and the students were engaged, and they, they liked it. And then I know that was the last time that was, that mm -hmm. was offered. Right now there's some 7 o'clock communicating Communication science or science, something like that. Oh, I yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I forget what it looks science. like on my schedule. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mark, for chatting with us. Yeah, no problem. We got off topic a little. A little bit, but. It's fine. We always okay. do. <laughs> Is that usual? It's yeah. not just me then. No. no. I mean, okay, I good. knew what I'm talking about ravioli. <laughs> so, weird, so if you have a question for me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D O C T O R H Y L E N D, or send me an email, peter.o.hyland, H Y L E N D, at gmail.com. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye.